Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Fenway Park in Boston. It's the Cleveland Guardians 5, the Boston Red Sox 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And, you know, I'm going to be straight with you morning people. I always am. I did not get to watch a ton of this game. Got to, well, I got to watch the first few innings a little bit here and there. Had it on my phone, but really, uh, it's it's been it's been a busy week, and I gotta be at work. I gotta be up for work at like five fifteen in the morning. So uh, I'm recording this right after the game, and it's gonna be a quick episode. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, we're gonna get into it. We're gonna talk about it, and we're gonna get out because uh, the end. Like I said, the end of a very very long work week. So uh, hopefully, I'll get to enjoy a little bit more. As the weekend goes on, depending on what the weather does. So we got some afternoon baseball, some day baseball the next two days here. So let's get into the storylines of this one. And my big storyline in this one is what a Fenway win. What a Fenway game. Did we not play perfectly to Fenway Park for this one? I mean, come on. So, yes, we get a couple of home runs. Uh, we get a double off the wall, an RBI double off the wall. The offense, you know, I can, we can work with this. We, we can work with this. There's no giant inning, right? There's no, there's no huge monster inning. Two in the first, one in the second, already up into a nice three, nothing lead. Add a solo home run in the fourth, add a solo home run in the ninth for insurance. Boy, I tell you, you score in four out of five innings. It, it takes a lot of pressure off takes a lot of pressure off the pitcher. And, uh, you know, uh, the home runs, we don't hit many home runs. We, we don't. We've talked about this. We're towards the very bottom of the league when it comes to hitting home runs. But those little home runs, those little solo home runs, they, they do, they help. It's, it's hard to put together innings like they put in the first and the second inning, right? A lot of things have to go right to get that little run in the second inning. Uh, but in the first inning, in the first inning, they're able to, uh, or I'm sorry, in the fourth and the ninth inning, you know, those solo home runs, boom, like that. Okay, hey, that's why that's why everyone kind of craves some home run hitters on their team. That's why, hopefully, as the season heats up, Ramirez and Naylor and Bell and even Jimenez will heat up as home run hitters. Uh, so, yeah, so... Uh, I'm trying to find the uh, the second inning here because, like I said, a lot of things did kind of have to go right. Uh, Brennan gets hit by a pitch. Then he steals second. Then Strawn shoots a beautiful opposite field single. I mean, really a fantastic. They kept the hips back, kept the hands back, uh, kept, the, kept the bat head back, really. Uh, the bat head back. And... Uh, Really just drove this thing out into right field. A beautiful swing from Miles Straw to get this RBI single here. So a lot of things. And the pitcher, by the way, look at the highlight. The pitcher completely missed their spot. I I think I think this pitch, uh, I don't want to say. I don't know exactly where it was, but this pitch ended up coming kind of down the middle. Uh, so a lot of things have to go right to scratch across that run in the second inning. 90.4 mile per hour. That's a oh man, opposite field, 90.4 miles per hour off the bat. I'll take that every time. 14 degree launch angle right over the infielder's heads, 960 expected batting average. 
You, doesn't have to be a flame. Doesn't have to be a hard hit ball to have a 960 expected batting average. Man, good stuff from Miles Straw right there. So yeah, so a lot of things have to go right, right? You get hit by a pitch to get yourself on base. You steal second. That's a big gamble. Uh, not as big of a gamble right now with the larger bases. Clearly, the base runners do seem to have an advantage right now, uh, but still a gamble. And then you know the pitcher missing his location like that. Uh, solo home run. Zanino, so I looked at the let, Will It Dong, Would It Dong uh, Twitter account that I've talked about a lot. It's it's a automated account that just does really quickly aggregates the data on would it be a home run, how many ballparks would it be a home run in. Silly name I know, Would It Dong, silly name, but they get some good, they pull some real quick good data. And I think Zanino's home run in the, uh, in the fourth inning to lead off the fourth, 105.8 mile per hour exit velocity. Good, but 44 degree launch angle, 346 feet, 200 and 260 expected batting average. I believe the data said would it dong would it only would have been a home run in two ballparks in Major League Baseball. That's it, two ballparks. And I'm guessing it's Fenway and probably Houston. Is that the short of the other short left field? I think I'm guessing it doesn't say uh, you know in the data, but I'm guessing the other park would be Houston. It does say whether it be a home run at progressive field or not, and it would not be a home run at progressive field. Now, Brennan's in the ninth inning. Uh, this one, if you watch the highlight, the pitcher hits his spot. This is exactly where they wanted this pitch. And Brennan turns on an inside pitch, hits at 98.3, down the right field line towards pesky pole, and he just puts it over the seats where they kind of cut in towards the pole and uh, I think it was like 12 out of 30 ballparks it would have been a home run in and but progressive field was one of them so progressive field does get kind of short there right in that corner right at the foul pole where the standing room only section is Uh, this would have been a home run in Cleveland so his was 24 degree launch angle much different shot than Zanino's 351 and only had a 380 expected batting average but like we said, pesky pole. It's, it's it's the Boston of it. It's the Boston of it. This is the perfect Boston win. Look at the runs we score in the first inning. Josh Naylor sack fly. Uh, you know, it only goes 327. I guess this is a sack fly off anybody. The thing, you know, at any ballpark, it works as a sack fly. But the thing about it was, look at Naylor's swing. He knows, look at the approach the hitters are taking, especially in this first inning. He knows a ball up and away is just begging to be hit off the green monster. That's all he was trying to do in with that pitch. I don't know about the rest of the at-bat. Can't say for the rest of the at-bat. For that pitch, he was clearly thinking, I'm just going to lift this thing towards the green monster. Something good's going to happen if I put it out there in left field. It didn't make it. It didn't make it off the wall. But... Uh, at least scored uh, Quan, who let off the game with a nice single. At least scored him uh, from third. So Naylor knew the job he had to get done, and he got it done. Then Bell, the very next batter, two lefties in a row. Bell also gets one high and outside, and he also lifts one uh, towards the green monster. Clearly, clearly, you know, Straw's Straw's opposite field swing. Man, I'm not finishing a sentence today. Straw's opposite field swing uh, in the second inning was like a real textbook opposite field swing. Like, it, it looks so natural. 
these from Naylor and Bell did not look as natural. They they were clearly making a, you know a serious effort to lift these things in the left field, lift them towards the green monster, and it works for Bell. His does hit off the monster. Duran leapt for it, but couldn't come up with the catch. It was 100.3 miles per hour off the bat, so he did get a lot of it. Uh, put it another 22 feet further out there than Naylor's. 349, 36-degree launch angle. It only had a 310 expecting batting average. So in, in Cleveland, this is a flyout. This is nothing. But here, it's an, it's an RBI double. It brings across Ramirez the score. Ramirez, who had a ridiculous at bat, fouling off pitches uh, to get on the st- in that first inning. So, uh, yeah. So, like I said, it's a Fenway game. That's that's four runs right there. Four of the five runs come via the Fenway way. I just and good job, good job adjusting to the ballpark that they were in and playing the kind of game they had to play to get the win today. Uh, you know, not a dominant performance offensively. They do it at five runs on eight hits. So, uh, yeah. yeah, good stuff. Good stuff all around from the offense. Uh, Quan was the only one with a multi-hit game. Uh, didn't draw a ton of walks in this one. Only two walks are drawn. I don't, you know, it's normally end the hit by pitch, I guess, right, from Will Brennan. So that helps out. Uh Usually drawing walks is, you know, a great way for the Guardians to get rallies going and stuff like that. So, yeah, uh, the RBIs are spread out. Five different guys all come up with an RBI. So, I like it. I like an offensive day like this. All right, let's flip to the other side of the field. Let's flip over to the pitching. And, yes, Shane Bieber threw a nice seven innings, five hits, two earned runs, two, only two walks, and four only four strikeouts, I should say, because that's pretty low for Bieber on 99 pitches. However, he was hard hit. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 times. And he had to work out of some things too, but he did. But he did. I mean, he gave up the two runs he gave up. One is a ground ball that makes it through the in the left field. The other one is just a ground out to Naylor playing deep at first base, who he kind of bobbles it a little bit, but he was never going to go home with that ball. The play was always to take it to first. They get the out of first. They had a run from third scores, but it made it a 4-2 to two game at the time. Uh, the Guardians clearly didn't seem too worried about it. So, yeah, Bieber does a good job, even though he doesn't have the huge strikeout numbers. The interesting thing, the interesting thing was Bieber's fastball. And, uh, you know, Andre Knott was talking about it a lot after the game, calling it that low dart. He t- interviewed Zanino about it. He asked Terry Francona about it. Um, and Zanino said, yeah, his fastball was really working. And we go to the player breakdown page, and he threw the fastball a ton. He actually didn't throw his slider or his knuckle curve almost almost at all in this game. It's it's really interesting because we've seen him go heavy on the slider in other starts, and this is mostly fastball cutter in this one. And I have never seen numbers like this on a fastball, CSW numbers like this on a fastball. So he threw 45 fastballs, 30 cutters, only 10 curves, only 8 sliders, and 6 changeups. The CSW numbers on the fastball, 9 swings, no whiffs, no foul balls. Nine swings, nine balls put in play. But add on to it 21 called strikes. 21 times 
They just stared at a four-seam fastball. Unbelievable. Good for a 47% CSW on that pitch. It's a 30% CSW total on the day. Only six whiffs for Shane Bieber. That's really low. A 15% whiff rate. Seems really low. And the crazy thing about the fastball, even when it was in the zone, 51% of the time it was in the zone, the Z swing, so the swings from the Red Sox hitters when the pitch was in the zone on that fastball was only a 30%. Just to show you what the other side looks like, on Nick Pavetta's fastball, which was in the zone 54% of the time, he threw 54 of them, so a similar, more than Bieber did, um, but you know, a similar amount, a decent quantity here. The Guardians, their Z swing was 76%. So when the pitch was in the strike zone, you know, three-fourths of the time, 76%, the Guardians were swinging at it. But the the Red Sox were only swinging 30% of the time. It's crazy how many called strikes he got with this pitch. And he was. He was keeping it down at the knees. Um, absolutely. And when we look at the uh, called strike data, uh, there's there's two cutters thrown in there. There's one changeup thrown in there. And then it's all fastballs. And it's almost all below the belt. It's almost at the belt or below for most of these guys. One or two. Justin Turner has one that crept up here on a 1-0 count he takes for a called strike uh, in the uh, in the first inning. Uh, but yeah, in the first inning, he gets his first strikeout with a uh, uh, called strike looking. Um, so yeah, it's unbelievable here. It was mostly the left-handed batters. Uh, the right-handed batters only looked at four fastballs, four called strike fastballs. The left-handers did the other, what would that be, 17? Some of these were on the outside edge, but most of them were just down. Most of them were on the plate and just down. And uh, the other thing I looked at here was the count breakdown, because I was wondering when he was going to these fastballs. If he fell behind, it's all fastball. If he fell behind, even at a 1-1 count, eh, some cutters mixed in there on a 1-1 count, a 2-1 count, but uh, if he fell behind 2-0-3-0-3-1, he's going fastball. Uh, when he was ahead, he started to work the knuckle curve in there. But he really waited till he was ahead to go to some of those off-speed pitches. First pitch fastballs, uh, 18 out of 26, 27. So out of 27 batters faced, uh, did I get that right? Let's see here. 25 at-bats. Hmm, interesting. Okay. Uh, that's not what the numbers add up to. Uh, so out of 25 batters faced, uh, 18 times he went first pitch, four seam fastball. It's just something about it felt good tonight. Uh, clearly I, I'd be curious, you know, the question I would have asked Zanino and Bieber would be, uh, was the fastball feeling good or was the curve and the slider not there tonight? And so you just went fastball. You pulled it out the curve every now and then to keep them honest. But that the fastball felt like it was the best, going to be the best. Would the fastball feel like the best pitch of the night? Or was the knuckle curve and the slider just not there tonight? So uh, either way, either way, it's a good start. It's a nice, solid start from Shane Bieber, who picks up his second win. You know, I didn't double check beforehand, but I wonder, is he the first Guardians pitcher to get to a second win? Uh, you know, after one month of baseball. Remember, there was a point where it was spread out amongst 10 or 11 pitchers. So uh, the Guardians pulled back to 13 
and 13, um, which is nice, back to 500. And uh, the other thing I noticed is just, you know, notice who came in in the eighth inning. Trevor Steffen passes it off to Emmanuel Classe. Karen Cech, uh had that spot earlier and has given up some home runs. And he's kind of slipped back into the middle of the relief, middle of the pack here. And uh, Stefan has taken over that, uh, taken over that uh, eighth inning. Now he does give up two hits. He's hard hit three times. Does get a strikeout, so he's able to get out of it. But uh, you know, had to work. Definitely had to work in that uh, eighth inning. Uh, I'm trying to pull it up here. Uh, so after he gets a fly out from Verdugo, uh, Yoshida doubles. Um, Justin Turner with a single uh, to left field, but Yoshida has to stop at third. Uh, and then he gets Devers on the strikeout there. That's, oh man, to strand that runner at third uh, with less than two outs, that's that's a huge strikeout there. That's, you know, Bieber is so good at that. Bieber is usually the one doing that, right? That runner gets a third, and then all of a sudden he goes into strikeout mode and just cleans up the inning. And Stefan does it here, strikes out Devers, and then Cassis grounds out uh, to end the threat. And then Classe with a bunch of ground balls uh, in the uh, in the ninth inning. Uh, Duran does hit a weird bloop double behind Jose Ramirez's head. But then Hernandez grounds out, McGuire grounds out, and Valdez grounds out uh, to third to end things. So Classe, the ground ball being a clutch thing for him. Right, uh, the st- the strikeout works for Stefan. It works for Bieber. For Classe, it's the ground ball, keeping it on the ground. You know he's going good when he's doing that. So, yeah, I think uh, I think I flew through this game pretty quick, uh, but uh, it's it was pretty simple to break down. I mean, uh, Bieber did get himself into a little bit of trouble. Like I said, hard hit a ton, a ton, but the guy he limits the damage. He holds some runners on. Uh, let's see. What did the uh, Red Sox go with runners in scoring position here? Uh, the Red Sox were 2 for 13 with runners in scoring position. The Guardians were 2 for 7. So, yeah, 2 for 13. He did. He stranded uh, a bunch of runners on. And then Stefan stranding those two runners in the eighth. Obviously, uh, you know, factored into that there. So, uh, good job by Guardians pitching. Taking it to the Red Sox to start this series. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. I, You know, like I said, a quick abbreviated episode. I'm sure I could have pulled some more data if I had a little more time to prep this episode. But I appreciate you jo- joining me for the conversation, uh, you know, talking about the Fenway of it all uh, and uh, going through this one on a nice win. All right, we got Plesak coming up tomorrow against Bello uh, for a 410 game. And then finishing off the series, Sunday is going to be appointment television, a 135 game. It's going to be Allen, Logan Allen, his second start, going up against Chris Sale, the ace lefty uh, for the Red Sox, who's got an 822 ERA right now. So uh, still trying to find it early in the season. So two lefties matching up with each other. Uh, I know you are all going to be tuned into that. And hopefully, I have no idea what the weather's supposed to do. I, I think there's a giant storm coming towards uh, the Northeast, but, uh, we'll see what rainouts happen, what double headers or whatever, however they figure it out and however they get these games in. Uh, I'm excited to see Logan Allen get back out there. Uh, right after Tanner Bybee, uh, threw up eight strikeouts as well. Do we have, you know, will those two push each other? Will those two, we talked about Gavin Williams and Bybee 
pushing each other in spring training. Now that Logan Allen and Bybee are up here together, I, I don't know if they're still roommates, you know, when they're traveling on the road. Uh, I think they were. I think they said they were roommates down in Columbus. Are those two going to push each other and make, you know, a really fun competition between two starting pitchers? As Cleveland fans, we'll take it. If they're pushing each other to be the best they can be, we'll take it. That'd be awesome. So we'll see what Logan Allen's got in his second start. All right, that's all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Fenway. It's your Guardians 5, the Red Sox 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Let me know your thoughts on the green monster and how ridiculous Fenway can play sometimes. Uh, I'm also hosting this podcast on Spotify, so if you go to the link in the show notes, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play it back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. 